أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم آية نمبر 30 قل للمؤمنين قل سي للمؤمنين to the believing men يغضوا they should lower من أبصارهم some of their gazes ويحفظوا and they should guard فروجهم their private parts why ذلك that meaning lowering some of their gazes and guarding their private parts, that is azka lahum, purer for them. Inna Allah, indeed Allah, khabirun, He is aware bima yasna'oon with whatever they craft, with whatever they do. In this ayah, the Prophet ﷺ is being addressed. That Ya Rasulullah, you tell the believing men, you instruct them. If you think about it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He could have given this command directly, just like the previous command, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, right? This command could have been given in the same way. But instead, Allah is asking His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to tell the believers. Because what does this ensure? That this command is from Allah and from His Messenger. This command is from Allah and from His Messenger. And this is an honor for the Prophet ﷺ because he is being told to give the command. And at the same time, there is more ajr for us. Because when we will observe this command, we are obeying Allah and we are obeying the Messenger. There's double benefit. And at the same time, we learn about the importance of this command. The fact that Allah is telling His Messenger to convey this command to us. That this command is coming from Allah and His Messenger. You know, for example, if something is mentioned in the Qur'an, and it is also mentioned in the Sunnah, doesn't that carry so much weight? As opposed to something that is mentioned only in the Sunnah or only in the Qur'an. I mean, even that, of course, has weight. But when a particular issue is mentioned both in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, then it's very strong. There is no avoiding it. There is no getting away with it. You have to do it. So, Ya Rasulullah wasallam, you tell the believing men two things. First of all, that the believing men should يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ يَغُضُّ is from غَضْ غَيْن ضَاد ضَاد And غَضْ is to lower, to cast down. Alright? غَضَّ literally means kasara, to shorten. What does غَضَّ mean? To shorten, to reduce something. So for example, the eyes. غَضَّ of the eyes is to wrinkle the eyelids. So do that, wrinkle your eyelids. Like draw the eyelids together. Like make sure that there's wrinkles on your eyes. Okay, up and down. When you do that, is your vision reduced? Is it reduced? Yes, as opposed to having your eyes wide open. When your eyes are wide open, you can see everywhere. But when your eyelids are wrinkled, when they're contracted, when your eyes are contracted, then your vision is reduced. Right? So, غَطُّ basar. what does it mean? To reduce the vision. يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ They should reduce some of their vision. How do you reduce the vision? How do you reduce the vision? So for example, I'm looking at you, looking straight at you, and I can see all of you. Okay? What would be reducing my vision? For example, if I bend my head, 
if I'm looking down, is my vision reduced? Try that. Look straight and then look down. Is there a difference? There is a difference, right? Okay. Now, you're looking straight ahead. Now look a little bit to your left. Is your vision reduced from your right side? Hmm? Look at the opposite direction. Again, is your vision reduced? Can you see the other side? No, you can't. So, يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ What does it mean? That they should reduce, lower some of their visions. Because notice the word min absarim. Absar is the plural of basar. What is basar? Eye, but it's also used for vision. What you're seeing. So in other words, sometimes, in some places, in certain situations, where necessary, what should the believing men do? They should not open their eyes fully and glare and stare and look on Instead, what do they have to do? Reduce their vision. How? Either by looking down, or by looking to the right, or by looking to the left, or closing their eyes, whatever is needed in that situation, they should do. So that they're not looking on. They don't have a full look at something. Now the question is, what is it that they should not look at? What is it that when it comes in front of them, they have to reduce, they have to shorten their vision. What is that? It is that which is unlawful to look at. Remember that where there are things that are unlawful to consume, and there are certain sounds that are unlawful to listen to, there are also certain things that are unlawful to look at. إِنَّ السَّمْعَ وَالْبَصَرَ وَالْفُؤَادَ كُلُّ أُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ عَنْهُ مَسْؤُولًا Allah will question us about what? About our hearing, about our vision, and also about our heart. What's going in through our ears, what's going in through our eyes, and what's staying, what's brewing in our heart. Allah will question us about that. So, يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ They should abridge their look, they should restrain their eyes from looking at that which is not lawful to look at. This doesn't mean that all the time men have to look down and all the time men have to look away. This is not a general rule. What is it? It's a very specific rule. In certain situations, they have to reduce their vision. وَيَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ Now, the detail of this, inshallah, we'll get into that. وَيَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ And they should guard their private part. Why? Because Allah says, ذَلِكَ أَزْكَى لَهُمْ It is pure for them. In other words, if they keep looking on, is that pure for them? It's not pure for them. If they keep staring and glaring, is that pure for them, for their thinking? It's not pure for their thinking. Is it pure for their heart? Is it pure for their iman? No. So in order to keep themselves pure, and in order to purify themselves even more, what is it that men have been taught to do over here? Shorten their glance. Look down in certain situations. Now, غَضُّ basar. This is the technical term. غَضُّ basar, Lowering the gaze. Lowering the gaze, what does it mean? It's defined as restraining the gaze and not allowing it to wander and dwell on something. Restraining the gaze. You see how much self-control our deen teaches us? 
that you even control your vision. Don't let yourself look on and stare at things that you should not be looking on at. So restraining the gaze, not allowing it to wander, and not allowing it to dwell on something. Dwell on something? What does it mean? Like stare. You know, for example, sometimes men are just, their eyes are fixed on a woman, and as she's walking, like literally, you see their neck move. You see their head move. You know, fixing their eyes on something, dwelling on something. Now basically there's two categories of this that should not be looked at. First of all, غَضُّ basr means that you should refrain from looking at another person's awrah. What is awrah? The part of the body which should be covered. What is awrah? The part of the body that should be covered. It should not be exposed. So awrah is part of the body that should be covered. It should not be exposed. Alright? Now whether it is a man or it is a woman, when they're exposing a part of their body which should not be exposed, and a man, and this ayah is specifically addressing men, okay? And a man happens to, let's say, see a woman's thigh, for instance. Right? Because she's walking with a short dress on. So he sees her thigh. Now, in that situation, what should he do? Fix his eyes on the thighs? What should he do? Keep staring? Let the eyes wander from one woman's leg to the other woman's leg? And let the eyes wander from the top of the thigh to the bottom of the foot? Yeah? Is that what he should do? No. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell the men over here? Yaghuddu. They should lower their vision. They should reduce it. They should not unleash their eyes and keep looking. Restrain the eyes. Restrain the vision. Because if they will restrain it, it is azkalahum. It is pure for them. Alright. Secondly, ghaddul basar also means that you don't look into people's houses and things which are behind closed doors. We think ghaddul basar is only when looking at the opposite gender. Ghaddul basar also applies when you go to somebody's house and you're knocking on the door. And there's a glass door for example. Ghaddul basar applies over there also that you don't look in. That when a person opens a door, you don't look behind their head and their shoulder to see what's inside the house and who's inside. That when somebody's car is parked, you don't look inside. That when somebody's purse is sitting next to you, you don't look inside. Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, haram kinds of looking includes looking at awrah. Haram kinds of looking, it includes looking at what? Awrah. And he said that awrah is of two types. The awrah which is behind a garment, the awrah which is behind a garment, meaning a person's body, and awrah which is behind doors. Both are awrah. Another person, their body is awrah, and their house, their possessions, they're also awrah. So, yaghuddu min absarihim. Now remember that the command to lower the gaze, it is mentioned before the guarding of the private parts. Right? If you look at the ayah, يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ And then, يَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ First, lower the gaze, and secondly, guard the private part. Why? Because many evil actions, they begin from where? What's their origin? The eyes. Right? Because what the eyes admire, the heart desires. I remember when I was taking driving lessons, my instructor told me 
Look at where you want to go. Because I would just stare at the steering wheel. You know, or like right in front of my car. Scared. And she would tell me, forget the car. Look at where you want to go. Look at where you want to go. Because wherever you will look at, you'll automatically go there. You'll automatically go there. Because you will be pulled towards it. Your body will work in that direction. So when we are looking at something that is unlawful to look at, then what are we doing in reality? What are we doing? We are actually taking a step towards it. This is why in hadith, what do we learn? That the haram is clear, the halal is clear, right? And then there are certain things which are in the gray area, right? And then for every king is a hima, meaning you can say a restricted area. So for example, what that means over here is the things that Allah has prohibited. So stay away from the restricted area because when you will go close to it, you will end up going inside it. You understand? So when we are told, when the men are told, lower their gaze in these situations, why are they being told? To keep them safe, to keep them away from zina, to keep their thinking clean, right? to keep their heart clean, to keep their tongue clean. Because remember that what you look at, it's stored in your head. It's stored in your head. And once it's stored in your head, you can recall it anytime. And when you will recall it, you will associate that with other thoughts. You know, it will lead to other thoughts. And then, you know, it could go in a positive direction, it could go in a very horrible direction, in a negative direction also. So this is why the door of evil is being closed over here. How? By telling men to control their gaze, to lower their gaze, to not look freely, restrain their vision. يَغُضُّ min أَبْصَارِهِمْ In a hadith in Al-Hakim we learn that the glance, meaning you know, wandering and just looking on at something that you should not be looking at, it is one of the poisoned arrows of shaitan. The gaze, what is it? One of the poisoned arrows of shaitan. You know what this reminds me of? When I first read this, it reminded me of those cartoons in which you see this baby kind of thing. It's not really a baby, but it's got these wings. Cupid, right? And it has this arrow and then a heart comes out. I mean, this is a poisoned arrow of shaitan. Literally. Because it starts with one look. And then where does it end up? Where does it end up? Doesn't it lead to wrong and wrong and more wrong? I mean, recently I got this, you know, we rented the video, Despicable Me Too. I thought it would be good, you know, because it's funny, kind of funny. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. I mean, it's supposed to have three cute girls, okay? And the kind of things they say, they're supposed to be funny and okay for kids to watch. And obviously, whenever I show something to my kids, I have to screen it. And as I was going through it, I was like, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, the oldest of the girls, the three girls. Look at her size. And she goes off with a guy in the mall. And then she's dancing with the guy. And when the guy finds a cuter girl, he goes away with her. Right? I mean, little kids are being taught this message. Look, look, look. Look at the opposite gender. See who you like. See who's cute. See whom you're attracted to. And admire with your eyes. And then the heart is pulled towards it, towards that direction, and you end up doing wrong. So over here, the door to evil is being closed. In a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said to Ali radiallahu anhu, O Ali, do not follow the first gaze with a second one. 
Do not follow the first gaze with the second one. Meaning when you end up seeing something that you shouldn't be looking at, but it was unintentional, it just so happened, the person just walked in front of you, alright, or on the TV screen something bad just came up, then what are you supposed to do? Let me enjoy my first glance. That's what some people say. Huh? I'm allowed. Let me enjoy my first glance. You know what glance means? That just one look that you have, not until you can blink. No, that's not what it means. So the Prophet ﷺ said, do not follow the first gaze with the second one. The first is forgiven, but the second one is not forgiven. Why is the first forgiven? Because, exactly, it was unintentional. Why is the second one not forgiven? Because it was intentional. Remember a mistake made once is a mistake, but a mistake made twice is not a mistake. What is it? Decision. It was a decision. You decided. That's why it would be considered as a sin. In another hadith we learned that once the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he advised the companions that beware of sitting in the streets. Don't hang out in the streets. You know, a place where people have to walk through. Don't sit there. Don't hang out over there. Because it's awkward, right? When you're walking and there's people standing in the hallway and you feel like you're kind of listening to their conversation and you're kind of bumping into them and it's awkward. So the Prophet ﷺ told them, beware of sitting in the streets. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we have no alternative but to sit in the streets to converse with one another. Meaning, this is where we hang out. We don't know where else to go. So the Prophet ﷺ said, if you insist, then give the street its rights. They said, the street its rights? What are the rights of the street? The Prophet ﷺ said, غَضُّ الْبَصَرِ وَكَفُّ الْأَذَى وَرَدُّ السَّلَامِ وَالْأَمْرُ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّهْيُ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ Lower your gaze. Don't stare at every person who's coming and then stare at them as they go away. No. Lower your gaze. Return the greeting of salam. Enjoin what is right and forbid what is evil. So this teaches us that if you do happen to be in a place where you know, there is so much wrong, right? I mean, visual wrong. Then what are you supposed to do? Lower your gaze as much as possible. And this is something that, unfortunately, we forget by the end of every summer. Right? That we're so used to it that we're, we don't even realize we're just looking, looking, and we're wondering, you know, looking at other people's bodies or, or whatever it is. What do we need to remember? First glance, okay, it happened. Now look away. Look away. Or if you're talking to somebody and they're dressed inappropriately, instead of focusing on the part of the body that is being highlighted or exposed, focus on something else when you're speaking to them. Right? You're seeing somebody on the television, they're reporting something, don't look at the part of the body that you should not be looking at, that they have exposed. They have exposed it, it's their problem. What is our problem? Controlling our eyes. And that is what we need to be concerned about. Because we fuss a lot about people exposing themselves. What we really need to fuss about is our own eyes. That is what we need to be concerned about. We learned that at one occasion, a woman, she came to the Prophet ﷺ and she was basically asking him a question. All right? And this was a young woman, must have been pretty, I mean every woman is pretty. So there was a young man with the Prophet ﷺ behind him, Fadl bin Abbas, and when he saw the woman, he was just staring at her. You know, she's trying to ask the Prophet ﷺ a question. And what is he doing? Staring at her. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw that, you know what he did? What did he do? He just turned his face away. 
He turned his face away. He didn't give him the eyes. What are you doing? This is not appropriate. No, he didn't yell at him. Nothing. He just held his head and turned his head. Look at something else. You know, he got the message. Everybody learned a lesson. Whoever was there witnessed that. Right? But what do we see? The Prophet ﷺ did not allow that he should continue to look at her. Alright? He should not continue to look at her. يَغُضُّ min أَبْصَارِهِمْ And this is something that men need to practice. And as we will learn inshallah in the following ayah, even women need to practice. Go ahead. Exactly. The Prophet ﷺ didn't say anything to the woman. What are you doing over here? And you should be covered even more. You should be walking you know, under something that completely hides you. There should be a mesh on your eyes. And even better, you know, completely cover your eyes. Nothing like that. Because I mean, there's only so much that a woman can do, right? And people who want to stare, they will stare at her through anything. At anything. So the men have been taught also, يَغُضُّ min أَبْصَارِهِمْ And you know the reward of lowering the gaze? I mean, do you guys have brothers? Do you girls have brothers? Right? Or husbands? So share this hadith with them. Rasulullah wasallam said, Three kinds of eyes will not see the fire on the day of judgment. They will not even see hellfire on the day of judgment. Firstly, the eye that weeps from the fear of Allah. The eye that weeps from the fear of Allah. That eye will not even see hellfire. Secondly, the eye that guards in the way of Allah. Meaning while other people are resting, they're sleeping, this eye is open, this person is awake, guarding, guarding in the way of Allah. And thirdly, the eye that was lowered from prohibited matters. The eye that was lowered from prohibited matters. Meaning as soon as a person realized, this is something I should not be looking at, and he looked away, he did ghaddul basa, then that eye, what does the hadith say? This eye will not even see hellfire. And this is a sahih hadith in a silsilatul sahiha authenticated by Imam Albani. So, يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ Secondly, Allah says, يَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ They should guard their private parts. What should they guard? Their private parts. From what? From two things. First of all, from exposing them. And secondly, doing haram with them. Meaning, while we have been taught to lower our gaze, we have also been taught to maintain our privacy, to cover our bodies so that we are not a source of fitna for others. So the men specifically have been taught over here that they must also protect their private parts, they must also guard them. And notice the word guard. Why guard? Because it has the potential to get corrupt. In Surah Al-Mu'minun we learned, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ أَوْ مَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُهُمْ Now remember that what this means is that a man must cover his private part, meaning he should not expose it. What is meant by that? That he should cover his private part. What is the part of the body of a man that should be covered in front of everybody except the wife? What is that part of the body? It is between the navel and the knee. Alright? It is between the navel, meaning the belly button, and the knee. In a hadith we learned the Prophet ﷺ, he said, do not show your thigh 
Do not show your thigh. Where is your thigh? Above your knee. Right? So do not show it. In another hadith also we learn that the Prophet ﷺ, he passed by a particular companion and he saw that his thigh was uncovered. Alright? His thigh was uncovered. So the Prophet ﷺ said, O Ma'mab, cover your thigh. Because the thigh is awrah. The thigh is awrah. Now, also remember that between the navel and the knee, many scholars say that if the knee does get exposed, alright, there's no harm in that. But it doesn't mean that in exposing the knee, part of the thigh is also exposed. Alright? The knee is the knee, and only the knee. So if the knee is exposed, no harm in that. But what is above the knee should not be exposed. In a hadith we learned, this is in Bukhari, Abu Darda, he said that I was sitting with the Prophet ﷺ when Abu Bakr came. And Abu Bakr was holding up the hem of his garment. Right? He was holding up his garment such that his knees were showing. Only his knees were showing. And the Prophet ﷺ said, your companion has had an argument. Meaning Abu Bakr is coming like this, holding his clothes together, he's angry. He must have had a fight with someone. He must have had an argument with someone. Right? So, his knees were exposed. His thigh was not exposed. Only his knee was exposed. In another hadith, we learned that once the Prophet ﷺ was sitting in a place where there was water, and his knee was uncovered. His knee was uncovered. And there were other people there. The Prophet ﷺ did not cover his knees. Uthman anhu came in. And when Uthman came in, the Prophet ﷺ covered his knee. Why did he cover his knee from Uthman? Out of? Haya, out of shyness. Because Uthman himself was also very modest, very shy. So you know when there are people who are very modest in their speech, in their behavior, in the way they dress, so what happens when you go in front of them? You also start covering yourself up. Alright? So the Prophet ﷺ covered his knee in front of Uthman. But when others were there, he didn't cover his knee. What does it mean then? What does it mean? That the knee may be exposed. So for example, if a man is playing tennis... Right, your teenage son wants to go play tennis. Forget about tennis. What do guys play these days? Basketball. Okay? And he wants to wear his shorts. Alright? And his shorts are, let's say, you know, the really short kind. So some of his thigh is exposed. Is that okay? No. What if they're knee length? What if they're knee length? That's fine. And when he's playing, of course there will be times when his knee will get exposed. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But if they're a little on the shorter side, they barely reach the knees, and when he will, what do you call it? Shoot the ball, right? And as he jumps, then half his thigh is exposed, then that's not okay. You understand? So the knee may be exposed, but what is above the knee? Not at all. All right, what about the other part? The navel, belly button. Again, the ulama say that the belly button itself, the navel itself, that may be exposed, but what is beneath the navel? No way. It should not be exposed. So if your son is going swimming, alright, or if you know he's working outside and he's he's taking his shirt off and he's cleaning with his shorts, you know, doing the grass or something, you know, make sure that his shorts or his pants, trousers, whatever it is, must reach the navel. Alright? It should not be low. How about showing your underwear? Seriously, showing your underwear from the back or from the side, is that acceptable? Because 
it's supposed to be cool, right? Or I mean, it's an old fashion now, I think. It's been going on for a couple years. But it seems like the in thing to do. I don't know when people are going to get over it. You know, because generally fashion changes after some time. But this one, for some reason, is not going away. And it's getting worse and worse. If you cannot show what is above your thigh and what is beneath your navel, how is it acceptable to show your underwear? It's not okay. Now, when you share inshallah these things with your brothers or your husbands or your sons, whoever, please do so with a little bit hikmah. Okay? And don't smack them straight on their underwear or something that cover this. No, use hikmah. Alright, be wise. Think about how is it that you would like to be taught? How is it that you would like to be addressed? One more thing. يَحْفَلُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ They should guard their private part. Guarding the private part, it doesn't just mean covering it, you know, with spandex that is so tight that everything is being exposed. Right? Covering it means covering it so that it's not exposed at all. So this means that the clothing that is worn should be somewhat loose. And this applies to guys as well because we impose a lot of restrictions on girls. But the guys, they can wear those skinny, skinny jeans, alright, which لا حول ولا It doesn't make sense. And the body is being exposed. I don't know how you sit and stand and walk in that, but somehow they do it. This is something that as parents, especially, we should be aware of. We should be concerned about. So يَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ Also remember that يَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ Clearly this also means guarding the private part from committing zina. Right? From committing unlawful sexual intercourse or doing with the private part what is not permissible. I'm sorry about being blunt here, but unfortunately this is something that is becoming kind of common within Muslims. That they think zina is not allowed, so don't have intercourse with a woman, but have her do something else. Right? Have her do something else so that a man can have pleasure. With a non-mahram woman, I mean with someone other than your wife, it's not okay. Whether the private part is going in her or in her hands or in her mouth, regardless, this is haram with the private parts. يَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ They should guard their private part. They should not do with the private part what is not allowed. What do we learn in Surah Al-Mu'minun? That, إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ Only the wife. Only the wife. No one other than the wife. That is not acceptable. It doesn't have any room in our religion. And the consequences of zina... They're clear. Clear in our deen. I mean, it's haram. We learned at the beginning of the surah the punishment for zina. And what is in the hereafter is far more serious. Painful. At Mi'raj when the Prophet ﷺ went, he saw that there was a hole like an oven. Right? With a narrow top. And there was fire inside and there were people. And that fire would cause, you know, it would throw people up in the air and it would fall back in the fire. And these people were naked. And the Prophet ﷺ was shocked. He asked Jibreel what it was and he said, these are people who used to commit zina. Allah says, يَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ They should guard their private part. And what is the reward of guarding the private part? 
what is the reward of guarding the private part? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, whoever can guarantee the chastity of what is between his two jawbones, and what is that? The tongue. And that which is between his two legs, and what is that? The private part. Whoever guarantees the chastity of these two, I guarantee Jannah for him. I guarantee paradise for him. يَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ They should guard their private parts. Why? So they can have Jannah. ذَلِكَ أَزْكَالَهُمْ This is purer for them. Purer for them? Meaning instead of letting their eyes wander and exposing their private part or doing haram with the private part, that is not pure. إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا يَصْنَعُونَ You know sometimes you think, oh my mother will find out, oh my dad will find out, my wife will find out, this is what men think. What does Allah say? Allah is aware of what they do. So fear Allah. Your mom may never find out. Dad may never find out. Spouse may never find out. But who knows? Allah knows. So fear Allah. Recitation. <laughs> إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا يَصْنَعُونَ